BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'll burn out. Hi guys, welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. I am your host, Kenzie Elizabeth, and welcome back to another episode. In today's episode, I have my friend Margot Lee on. I think she is one of the most beautiful, interesting, fascinating, intelligent people that I know. I loved being able to catch up with her. I love following along online. I just, I really love Margot and she's such an incredible person. If you guys are unfamiliar, she started on YouTube. She's a vlogger. She's honestly pretty prominent on every single space on the internet. She makes incredible content. She's very calming, very stylish. She's just such a cool girl. And I think you guys are really going to love today's episode. We're talking a lot about identity, this Gen Z Catch-22 that she made up that I really resonated with. And I'm sure so many of you guys will, along with just the pressures of starting a new life chapter and even just a new project. So Without further ado, let's welcome Margo on to the podcast. Okay, I have questions. Why do you feel like you felt so much pressure when adding another quote unquote job, right? When you were branching out of YouTube and going into the podcast world, I feel like you suddenly were so hard on yourself when you've already achieved so much success with your YouTube channel, especially in regards to already, you know, being so authentic. Oh, it's such a good question. And I never really noticed that I was hard on myself until I started talking about my podcast with my close circle. So my boyfriend kept saying like, you're so hard on yourself. You're so critical. My roommate was saying that like my brother, my parents. So I didn't even realize that it was that. I think it was just bringing me so much like stress and anxiety that it was really easy for me to overthink it. And I also think I just have such like heroes in the podcast industry that creating my own was so stressful for me and like so intimidating to do. So yeah, I think I just had like a concept of what I wanted it to be. And if it wasn't at that level, then I like wasn't gonna be happy with it. That makes sense. Who are some of your podcast heroes? So there's this guy, his name is Alex Bloomberg, I believe. He did a podcast called Startup. And that was the first podcast that like really got me into podcasts. 
And it was essentially a podcast documenting him launching his podcast company. And it was unlike any podcast I'd ever, I'd ever heard. And it changed my perspective on what I could create. It like opened up this whole other world. So hearing him do that and then his other projects and then all the other podcasts under Gimlet, which is the company he started, were always just like so inspirational for me. When you look back to starting a YouTube channel and then obviously recently starting a podcast, obviously there's a lot of time in between the two. Do you think when you were younger and you started YouTube, it was a totally different time, but do you think being young and kind of naive helped you in starting a YouTube channel? Oh, absolutely. I I don't even think I would start it if I wasn't young and naive. I think first of all, not having the pressure of there already being eyes on you when you're starting it. And like truly from the bottom of my heart, just starting it as a hobby and something that I started with friends and putting no pressures on myself, like no expectations or any of that totally helped with doing that. And I don't even think I would have like done it if I was trying to hit a certain amount of subscribers or had those types of goals. So I think starting the podcast was a totally different story. One, because I had these really high expectations for myself from the get-go. Not that I've necessarily hit them, but it's something that I'm working towards. And I also knew that I had a pre-existing audience, which of course is a huge advantage in getting the podcast out there and sharing it and getting feedback on it. But that also meant that I had this like higher standard because there were automatically going to be people from the get-go when like realistically, I have no idea what I'm doing. So definitely more pressure there. I think what you're saying though can resonate with so many different people because the idea of starting something new is terrifying. And I think we both live from the advantage of having started our like digital careers at a younger age when you're really naive. I moved to LA even at 17 and people are always like, how did you do that? And I'm like, it was actually so much easier moving at 17 than it would have been at 25 because when I was 17, I had way less to lose and I was naive. So that I think is such a big strength. And so I look at you starting your podcast. And I kind of, I understand in regards to, it's just different. It's totally different too, especially when you already have an audience. And so there's almost more on the line. Something that you said, I'm going to quote you. Something that you said that I loved in your first episode was the Gen Z catch 22. And I really want to talk about this because you beautifully put into words something that I think about all the time. On one hand, you're expected to have it all, know it all, and be able to do it all. On the other, you're supposed to narrow in, become an expert in one thing, and then have a small brandable niche. I kind of summarized that. I think that is something that, honestly, it crosses my mind all the time. And you even hear people talk about something as small as growing on socials, being so, it's really favored if you're very niche. And so on one end, they want you to be able to do it all, to, you know, they want to hire someone who's like a jack of all trades. And then on the other hand, they want you to be an expert in one thing, narrow down on your niche in like, be able to digest yourself into one sentence. Can you elaborate on this? Because this is something I think about every day. Yeah. So it's something I think that a lot of people think about, and that's why 
it became the focus of what this podcast is because you put it perfectly and and that's really what this catch 22 is is you're caught in the middle of wanting to be that expert and then also wanting to be the jack of all trades and you see this everywhere you see this in a professional setting where you're applying for a job and you want to be that expert or you want to be that person who can come to the table with 50 ideas You see it on social media where some people have like a perfectly curated feed and they're using the same filter and it's beautiful and everything is very aesthetically pleasing. And then you have the people who just very lifestyle based and they're showing the real shit and they're they're showing everything in their life. And at least for me as a content creator, I've definitely felt pulls to either side for different reasons. Something else that was really interesting, and I see this in so many different variations on TikTok, is especially through style now, like style is being so emphasized and there's so many sounds on TikTok right now and over the summer that have gone viral, basically saying like, well, I wanna be this person and it shows like all of that same aesthetic and then, but I also wanna be this person and it's a whole different aesthetic. And it's like, why do we have to pick one style of how we're gonna dress like what if I wake up one day and I'm feeling really like chic and monotone and I want to like wear all black head to toe why can't I wake up the next day and wear like flower power outfit like why are we forced to kind of box ourselves in at such a young age when we haven't experienced hopefully more than 75% of the life that's ahead of us Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. I totally agree. And it can be really overwhelming to feel like you have to box yourself in, especially in a career that involves, I think, anything digital because it's, you know, a front facing sort of brand even the term of like rebranding constantly, which is something that's talked about all the time. I think it's a result of feeling like you have to fit a certain maybe like stereotype. And then once you fit that, typically I think it can help you. But on one hand, I don't know. I think there's always opposing views and opposing opinions with it, but it's definitely something that can be kind of difficult to navigate. How do you feel like this has affected your identity? It's made me really think about the job of being a content creator or an influencer, YouTuber, whatever you want to call it, because I think up until recently, there's been this expectation or stereotype that influencers can be just dropped into different categories. You're a beauty guru or you're a lifestyle creator or you do DIYs or you only wear like neutrals or you only wear super colorful things. And it just made me think about that career more where do I have to box myself into one of those positions in order to succeed? Like, do I have to be easily digestible for people to say, oh, Margot does New York City vlogs and that's like all I'm known for. So 
I don't know, I think it can be applied to like everyone's lives and everyone's kind of situations in how they identify themselves. And maybe that helps them. And maybe it's helpful for people to say, I'm a student and this is my focus and this is who I am and this is how I'm going to show up. But especially after graduating college and realizing that that way that I branded myself as a college student didn't have longevity and it wasn't something that I was interested in continuing on in a life that just I don't live in anymore. Speaking of like life transitions, you've gone through a big one moving to New York. Before we even get into that, I do want to talk about post-grad because I think it is a very weird, hard to navigate time, especially in COVID. I'm a recent college grad as well. And while I already feel like I'm kind of in the space and I'm really lucky with my career that I'm in, I already feel like I'm in that space. But even I feel kind of like I've almost like fallen off a bike almost. It just feels like a really weird time. And people talk about, there's a lot of people who struggle with depression and added anxiety after postgrad, especially with, you know, obviously the times that we're in, which is so annoying to hear all the time. But what are some things that you've done to kind of navigate that? Because this past year has been one that I think is really shaken up a lot in our lives, including identities, including desires and what we want in our lives. So what are some things that you have done to kind of help yourself in that regard? Yeah, that's a great question. Something that I was talking about with my friends recently is how up until when you graduate, whether it's graduating high school or college, kind of wherever you leave that education system, you are raised with such structure. And even if it's summer holiday, like you know that it's gonna be three months and then you're back to school. And then even at college, when it's not the same schedule every day, you still know you have to go to class, even if it's online class, you have that structure, you know you're supposed to do your homework. You know that the end goal is getting an A or finishing a presentation or whatever that goal is, it's pretty structured and it's pretty easy to kind of understand and set those goals for yourself. I think the the hardest transition, at least for me, because I thrive on structure, is after you leave college and that school system, it's just life and you have to figure out, okay, I'm waking up today. I'm not supposed to be going to any classes, especially with work from home. Like it's not even like you're going to the office from nine to five. So the thing that's helped me the most is creating structure. I do that with Google Cal um, and just being able to look at my day. I'm learning more about time batching now and like love time batching. It's helped me a lot. Yeah. I was hearing you talk about it. I, I'm actually curious Do you feel like that's made you more in control of your schedule and your time? Or do you think that it makes you feel less control because you have to like attend those like scheduled times? So the way I do time matching isn't as structured as most people, because obviously like for instance, today I had another call and like on Tuesdays, I try to keep it podcast related. So I had podcast meetings today and I normally have my recordings on Tuesdays, which I've tried to do and has actually helped me with having guests on because I just give them Tuesdays that I'm available. But I do feel at times it doesn't always work. And so what I do with anything that I feel like with 
certain routines of other people, certain habits they have as I take them, but I kind of tweak them. So I don't perfectly do it. And there is never a time where honestly, the the week is perfectly planned as to like what I would like it to be. I honestly switch it all the time. And instead of doing it every week, podcasting is honestly the most structured for me, but I will do four hours of work on video editing and then I'll do four hours of work on something else. So rather than making myself feel like I'm stuck into a box of on Mondays, I only do this. I will just take time and I know what I need to do and then I'll batch it in regards. So I'm not like multitasking as much. I'm just focused on one thing, which has relieved anxiety and made me feel more in control, but I don't do it really the most traditional way that you're supposed to. Yeah. I mean, who says there's one way that you're supposed to do it, but yeah, that's, that's helpful to, to hear. So anyways, I'm trying to get into that. I think that's the hardest thing for me, at least, is that structure. Also, of course, the social like aspect of it. You're not seeing your friends every day subconsciously just because you're going to class or bumping into them on campus. You can't see your friends now. So, I mean, there's so many aspects of it, but I think that structure is the hardest part for me. What is your ideal day? Oh, that's a good question. I love waking up early and I know you're the same. So I saw your 3 a.m. wake up. I was like, okay, Dolly. No, yeah, <laughs> that was Dolly. That was not me, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, res- I respect the um, dedication to that video though. Yeah, so early wake up. I love my matchas. I'm like trying to get into cappuccinos. I'm trying to learn latte art. I just- love the TikToks. <laughs> it's just a mess, but I- I'm-, I'm doing my best. But I, I don't know, coffee just doesn't always do it for me. I love matcha. So anyways, start the day off with the matcha, get most of my work done in the morning. That's just like when my focus is best. I love going for long walks, especially now being in the city and just exploring, kind of understanding my area better and what's around me. I love making dinner. It's kind of hard to go out to dinner now, especially in New York. It's outside and it's like it's literally snowing. So not the most comfortable Maybe have a glass of wine. I wish my dog Rue was here because she's like my favorite thing in the entire world. So yeah, just hang out and then get to bed at like 11. That's my, that's Margo's bedtime. (laughs) With having less structure in being in charge of your own schedule and your day-to-day, especially, you know, working mainly for yourself. Okay, this is my question because this is more so a selfish question. I feel like I will end up putting more pressure on myself and expect myself to honest, like Gary Vee almost, or have these really unrealistic standards of my workday. And something I'm trying to work through is really just figuring out what works for me and when I work best. And I know honestly, really similar day to you. Like I know I get the most work done in the morning, even sometimes afternoons, I can't focus. And I don't know. I feel like I just put a lot of pressure onto myself. Do you feel like it's freeing or does it kind of stress you out not having structure? It stresses me out to a certain degree. This is my thing. I know at the end of the day, I will always get my work done. Like even in college when I was doing YouTube and college and all of these other things, like there was never a time that I just didn't get it done. And sometimes it was incredibly stressful and I would have breakdowns, like especially when I was doing my senior capstone, that was just like a horrible time, but I could still finish everything. So I think it's good to a certain degree to put pressure on yourself because if you can believe that you can finish it, then you can finish it. And maybe you have to get creative with how you're making that happen or when you're working on things. And 
sometimes I end up working on things at 11 at night, which is that the healthiest thing? No, but if I'm going to be happier with the fact that I completed something that was high on my list to complete, then that might be worth it. So it's kind of just about like prioritizing what needs to get done because I'm always going to feel better knowing that it was done versus like just not doing it. That's just going to weigh on my shoulders. I completely agree. I would so much rather, I mean, I guess now we're not really missing out on anything, but I would, if it means staying up late to get it finished. I mean, I honestly, I don't think there's ever been an assignment in my entire life that I haven't done. I'm just so like, I know I will get it done. But I think maybe the question for me would more so be like the amount of pressure I put on maybe compared to other people's schedules, which is a really dumb thing to do. But looking at high performers and really like respecting them in the space and then figuring out personally, I think what works for me. And that's something I'm trying to figure out and trying out different routines, mainly throughout the day, more of the like nine to five hours. I think I have my morning and night routines perfectly, but I think maybe it's also a work from home thing too, where I normally work from home anyways, but it's different now. I think that's where like the hustle culture is kind of toxic when- yes if you're getting everything done that you need to get done and you're working in a way that benefits and serves you, then there's no need to compare your schedule or your work ethic to somebody else. Because realistically, even if the Gary V's or whoever it is says that they're doing this for every five minutes and this 15 minutes after that, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't know how well they're working. Some people work better when they're like always having outputs. I was just listening to an okay sis podcast about productivity and how different people get different types of energy and they can kind of manifest that in different ways through their work. So I think take inspiration from other people's productivity and their schedules, but if it's not going to serve you and you're already doing what's going to work best for you, then at that point, like it just seems like a waste of energy to to be so focused on other people's yeah absolutely okay let's talk a little bit about New York I am so happy for you (laughs) this has been something you've talked about forever so you're what like a week post move right at this point exactly yeah how is it how's it going it's great I was in quarantine for part of it so that was weird just being in a city and staying in my apartment but obviously for good reason But it's crazy. So I grew up an hour outside of the city. So my entire life I've been coming into the city and loving it. But it's always kind of a struggle of like taking the train into the city and then doing the most that you can do in the city, spending as much time there as possible and then taking a really late night train home and showering. And it's like a whole thing. Obviously, it's such a privilege to have been able to do that. But the fact that now if I want to go to Soho or I want to go to Central Park or the Met or wherever it is in the city, I can literally just get on a subway, go, come back to my apartment, change, like go to sleep. It's just a whole other level. And that's like slowly starting to hit me the more that I'm experiencing this area and living here. So yeah, I mean, such a dream come true. I'm living with my best friend, which is really fun. And I'm just happy that it finally happened. I know you posted an episode about apartment hunting, but how long did it take for you guys to actually find your apartment? Because people always talk about how finding a place in New York is a nightmare. 
So I just need to know more of like your process and how you found it and how long it took. So we used Street Easy, which was really helpful. And I can't take any credit for making the appointments. My roommate, JC, was really helpful in doing that. Yeah, I mean, the podcast episode was pretty truthful. There were two days of looking at apartments. We saw probably nine apartments in total. The stressful part about apartment hunting in New York City is everything turns over in like a week. Obviously, during the pandemic, that's a bit skewed, but everything moves really fast. So if you see something that you like, you kind of have to just jump on it. So I think it it was like the ninth apartment that we saw that we just fell in love with. We didn't want to pass it up. We have beautiful outdoor space, which is really rare, and a doorman and a gym. So everything just made sense. So of course, there's better apartments in New York City, maybe for better rent and maybe better utility, better spot. There's always going to be something better. But I think the trick in New York is once you find something that checks all of your boxes, jump on it. I think like the other great thing is you're probably going to be living there for a year, two years most. And then you have an opportunity to move around, see what parts of the city you like, experience different types of apartments and living. So it's really fun. I mean, when we were looking originally that first day, we really were just trying to put some feelers out and see how much things cost, the areas we wanted to look in. We weren't really expecting to like put an offer down. But once we saw the unit that we really wanted, we just had to jump on it so we didn't lose it. I'm just so excited for you. I'm also so excited for the New York content. I know you don't want to be like just a New York vlogger, but I personally am very excited (laughs) for all of the vlogs. I I hope you can visit soon. Yeah, see, I would love that. We'll just have to see about the world. Something that I'm trying not to do right now in general is I can't even start to think in my head or make future plans at this point because I just get so down when I realize like, oh, you know, they say it's this long, but I don't, I don't trust any time. I don't trust anything. I'm really hoping for the best. And I, and I am like, I have positive thinking towards it, but it's just, you know, it's really something we can do. I know all we can do. I asked on Instagram questions to ask you and I got so many questions like how to get a British boyfriend being probably the first one um and then the second most popular was long distance tips so can you share all of your long distance tips because this is what people want to know yes I can I can answer both of those questions um if you want a British boyfriend go to London abroad (laughs) tons of British men there but long distance tips Well, first and foremost, I think the most important thing is trust. If I didn't trust my boyfriend or vice versa, it would just make the whole relationship so much more anxiety inducing. I think we both feel really at peace with the fact that it's long distance. We're doing the best that we can. I mean, he literally finessed his way into the United States, so I could not ask for more. I think obviously communication is important and finding a strategy that works for you. I am the worst texter, so I probably text my boyfriend like once a day, if that, and his messages will be like unread, which he obviously doesn't take personally. I mean, it's the same thing for like my mom, but we FaceTime throughout the day and we found kind of communication strategies that work for us, whether it's talking before we go to bed or having our coffees together. And it's definitely not something that you can just snap into and it'll make sense immediately. 
but the more you kind of get into the rhythm and you're open about what works and what doesn't work for you, it's just gonna make the whole process a lot more enjoyable. The last tip, this is kind of basic, but setting dates and having things to look forward to, which of course is way easier said than done with the pandemic. But even when my boyfriend was in England, kind of at the height of COVID, and we had no idea when he was gonna be able to come in, we would have date nights every Sunday where we would take turns making cocktails on FaceTime and enjoying that and kind of having deeper conversations. And it was something to look forward to. So setting those little dates or traditions, even if it's over FaceTime or Zoom or however you're communicating, I think makes it all a lot more special. I love that. You guys are so cute. I just love this whole, I love this whole relationship. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh um, gosh, can I'm you honored. share, obviously share your podcast and also where they can find you online? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun catching up with you. I just came out with a podcast. It's called Working Title. You can find it anywhere podcasts are found. There's two episodes up, but I'm working on every Tuesday, but consistency is going to be hard with that, but I'm doing my best. And social media, I'm on Instagram at margot.lee, and then my YouTube is margot.lee. Amazing. Thank you. Of course. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you guys have not already, be sure to subscribe, review. If you guys liked the episode, I would love if you shared it with a friend or posted it to your Instagram story. But with that being said, I love you guys so much and I will talk to you next Thursday.